You're listening to Band Geek with Richie Castellano on the Riotcast Network. Welcome to Band Geek. I'm Richie Castellano, and joining me today is my co-host Jarrett Pressman. What up, y'all? Uh, today we're doing a traditional podcast in that it's just two guys talking. So press stop now. <laughs> <laughs> two guys talking, sharing their feelings, sitting in a dimly lit room, drinking some suds, with that little bit of sweat right where your balls meet your legs. <laughs> I realized that my I don't think my thighs have ever not touched each other. I don't. I don't recall um, that being a thing either. So, uh, you know, them not touching. So, um, basically, I had a, a pretty busy couple of weeks, and uh, actually, directly after we did our encore thing, it, it was busy before then because we had a few um, long runs for BOC. You know, we were out for like four or five days each. We, usually we just do two or three. But usually during the summer, your schedule gets longer. Yeah, so it? it's starting to pick up for us. And um, also, then we had the B.B. King show. And, and I realized I hadn't told you about any of that, Jarrett. So now's a good chance for me to tell you and tell the audience at the same time. You hear that, everybody? We're the same now. <laughs> we're both going to be bored by Richie's story. <laughs> You know what? If it is boring, tell me, and I'll try it out. Because I don't want it to be boring. I mean, the, the understanding I have from fan feedback of Band Geek is that oh, here goes Richie on a very long story. But then I say, then people say, oh, you know, I really like when you tell those stories. So I'm I don't know what to do here. I'm sort of like uh, caught between, you know, telling the stories or making it entertaining. <laughs> Maybe I could do both. No, that's that, that's impossible. Nobody could do those two things at the same time. Um. I just showed you this, Jarrett, and I'm going to tell the uh, the audience, I got a really, really nice gift in the mail. Now, I'm not saying you need to send me gifts, people. Uh, that's not, you know, the point here. But someone took the time out to send me something really nice, and I just want to give them a shout-out to um, Paul Braun. Um, he knows I'm a sucker for the song, The Search Is Over. Um, that was one of the songs I used to listen to when I was um, courting Anne-Marie. <laughs> Hooing, hooing, you were hooing and courting, <laughs> and uh, you know I used to sit in my basement by myself and. How can I convince you? <laughs> Would you see? Anyway, so that's he, why that's why you stayed in your basement when you sang it. Yeah, I don't want anybody to hear it. But uh, <laughs> that's better. Do, do yours. What you see is true. You know, I just taught 6th, 7th, and 8th graders how to do funny voices. Oh, we're going to do that in a second. I want to talk about that in a second because you didn't tell me how that went. But anyway, um, Paul sent me um, a handwritten lyric sheet of The Search is Over. 
handwritten by Jim Peterick, who is one of the I think it's Peterick or Peterick. I hope I'm saying it right. From and he's the guys from the guy from the Ides of March, and he also co-wrote this song for Survivor. And he sent me a hand. This guy hand wrote the the, the co-writer yeah. hand wrote the lyrics for me to this. So I'm gonna have to frame this and put this up somewhere. So thank you so much, Paul. This is a really nice gift. Me and Amory. Really appreciate it. That's awesome. And to clarify, it's like, it's, it's new handwritten. Like, yeah. it wasn't just like, here's a lyric sheet from 1984. It's yeah. like, oh, my, can, like, he like uh, made it out to you guys yeah he like knows he wrote you guys like a little message right on the top of the the lyric sheet and then wrote out rewrote out the lyrics that's correct so it was very very nice gifts very thoughtful um but uh you know no one has to send me gifts but i really appreciate this one this was really nice so thank you very much um so jared you taught yeah isn't that weird yeah <laughs> i uh this this uh, I'll give you the the short version, which is when we did Bell, um, obviously, or the Disney episode. Bell was a very very popular video for us. Oh yeah, and um, uh, our friend Nicole Pignatelli uh, teaches middle school, and she showed it to her performing arts classes, and they were like, "We love him because he's doing all these funny voices." And so immediately I was like, oh, so naturally you want me to just come be a guest speaker at an assembly for the whole school. And she was like, she was like, yes, be our guest. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, I was, she, but she was, she actually legitimately was like, oh, you could you actually come and like teach them how to like do voices and 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 like teach them about voiceover stuff? I said, yeah. So we set up side a day, and and I took off work, and I went down there, and I had a whole lesson plan, which if you find it on my Facebook, it's just. If you ever wonder how my brain makes like a cohesive thought, it's just right. It's like the script. It's the kind of stuff you would see on a wall. No, it's the kind of stuff you see suicide bombers make <laughs> yes, before they leave their house for the last time. And there's maps and pins all <laughs> yeah. over the place. It looks like your murder diary. <laughs> and schedules. Um, but it was fun. I actually, I started off um, teaching them about like um, physicality and like how if you change like the way your face looks and stuff and the way you stand and, and uh, you know kind of imagine the way certain people look, you can um, uh, actually change the way your voice sounds. So, of course, I did what the current stuff they're all listening to is, which is Michael McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> so I showed them, and so I was showing them Doobie Brothers videos, and I was showing them, like, if you kind of drop your mouth like this, <laughs> and, and pretend you have a beard, or, you know, it was like, and I was doing that. And then I showed them, um, uh, I showed them the proclaimers, which we've done before, and I was showing how I accentuate, like, the vowels. The thousand. Yes, and, and you. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, and then I was showing them, like, Kermit and stuff. But then I, of course, went into, like, cartoon stuff, and I was saying, like, you know, certain voices are, you know, in the upper register up here by your nose, and then some are down here, and some are in the back of your throat. And then, of course, the money is when I just start doing voices for them, and their mouths drop, and I just go like, Brian, we're all out of graham crackles. <laughs> you know, and uh, hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here, and just start going into that, and they're just like, do, do, uh, uh, do, do, uh, do Bobby Hill, do this, you know, do this, do SpongeBob, do this. And so I was just doing voices for them, and then, but then I helped them do stuff too you know what's really hard to do um and this is something that tr that translates from guitar playing is um sometimes you can do a voice right or i can emulate somebody like i could emulate i could play a lick by 
I don't know, Eric Clapton, right? And I can make it sound like Eric Clapton, right? Or I can do a voice, like I can do whoever. But then when you have to have Eric Clapton playing not an Eric Clapton riff, right? that's really hard. Right. Or do a voice. of So um, did you talk about that at all? Like, Because if you go, Brian, you know, that's everybody, you know, because half the battle is the content and right. not the, the character. So did you talk about that at all? I did. I said that a lot of uh, voiceover actors like kind of live in that voice. So mm-hmm. you have to really, you can't just, you know, say like, can't you just come in here? I didn't yeah. see them. You yeah. know, I can say that a hundred times. I can sing Rainbow Connection from start to finish. But, you know, could I read, you know, Shakespeare as yeah. Kermit or, uh, you know, Mr. Crab from SpongeBob or something like that? Um so I did explain that, and and but you know they just you know they're obviously like eleven and twelve. So yeah. I did the best I could. But then I was like, okay, who do you guys you know want to do? And then they were just like shouting out stuff. They're like, I can do um, Stitch, you know, from Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> and and one kid was like, you know, I don't know, I don't know oh wow, you know, and. Uh, and he started doing it, and he goes, ah, that kind of sounded like Gollum. And I was like, no, that's a good point, because Stitch is all the way up here, and Gollum's like, what's oh. taters? You know, it's like it's all the way down here. Um, yeah, but it was yeah, it was actually a lot of fun, but it's fucking exhausting to yeah. teach. You I, know, I talked the, for like six hours straight. One of the most common uh, pieces of feedback I got from the Bell video was like, Oh wow! I didn't know Jared. I didn't know Jared had any talent. And um, good on you, man, for I, for showing it off. I don't. That was it. <laughs> Just all in that one no. five minute video. It's really it's really impressive <laughs> and really great how how hard you worked on that. Um, just because normally when we're doing stuff uh, and we're prepping, when we do prep for uh, band geek music videos, I, I pick up a lot of the work, and I mean, everybody else learns there respective parts but i'm you know really busting my butt on it but on the disney stuff jared did the most i think of anybody he really he really did his homework on that and it shows when you listen to it it the, shows thank you the one the one thing that was really funny was there was a kid that i wish i could remember the name of the video game let's say it's people are gonna yell at me online and say tell me what it is but um let's just say it's call of duty and the kid was like do you know call of duty 4 and I was like, oh, no. And he's like, do you know any of the Call of Duties? Mm-hmm. I was like... Is it Gears of War? Maybe it's Gears of War. You might know With when the I... the guy Dom in it? Maybe. Is that, that might, the guy? <laughs> that might be it. Because he was like... He goes, uh... He goes, oh, he goes, um... I wanted you to do a character from that game. And I was like, don't they all just sound like this? Like, we have to get to the checkpoint. Yeah. And he goes, oh, my God, can you say grenade out? Yeah. And I was like, grenade out. And he was, his mouth just dropped. I was like, that's Optimus Prime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I'm playing a game right now called The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Okay. And the, the, the lead guy has, has like, the douchiest voice ever. He's like, picked up a Witcher contract. <laughs> Went to the door, locked. Didn't know what to do. So I came back here. Now I'm gonna kill the Griffin. Need a Griffin killed? I can do that for you because I'm a Witcher. It's like it's like Will Arnett and and Phil Castellano. <laughs> They're having a talking like this contest. Oh yeah, yeah. That's oh god, it's funny. My just to touch on this really quickly. One of my favorite things in life is um, background characters talking in oh, video games. Amazing. And one of my favorites <gasps> was in there was a Terminator Genesis video game. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the one with Christian Bale. Yeah. And 
it, there was just a guy in the back going like, what's going on with these robots? Like, <laughs> man, this is crazy. Oh, my God, you see that shot? Like, it was just, it was like Chris Tucker in the post-apocalyptic war. You know what I like when video games, I like when video games do this thing where you're, I mean, obviously, you're the star of the video game. But sometimes I like when you could just walk around town yeah. and just like sort of spy on people like doing their regular thing and, and just like having conversations that have nothing to do with you. Like that's thorough. You know what I mean? That's immersive. I love that stuff. Yeah. It's like, it's, what is it, Assassin's Creed when you're walking through town and it's just like, you'd hear about the eggs today. They're very funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just keep A lot of games are doing that now and I, I appreciate that. Um, since we're on voices, uh, I got a very funny uh, tweet the other day from someone named Tony Antonio and it says dude did you knew that Diz you knew that I love that Diz you knew that it's a ba- it's basically a YouTube video of Michael Jackson proclaiming he sang background vocals on all the Doobie Brothers songs what yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> it, it, I don't think he did I think maybe he d- maybe demoed something at some point uh, that's you know back in the 80s demoing was a thing but um yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't know if I buy that. I don't buy that. <clears throat> but it's Michael Jackson singing like you know. She had a place in, like as Michael Jackson. Yeah, I'm like, that sounds nothing like anything that happened <laughs> on the record. Sorry, sorry, MJ. Um, but yeah, so, but so, it was yeah, and it was it was super fun, and I had a really good time, and it it uh, it, it it made them smile. It made me kind of get a lot of uh, 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 attention off my chest, if that makes sense. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really, you definitely really need attention. I do. Because <laughs> I'm a crazy cat lady. You are. How many cats do you have? I have two. Um, that I know of. Can you get toxoplasmosis from two cats? I, you, I, I think you can get it from one. I don't have toxoplasmosis. What's the South Park with like the cats? Like, Oh, what, what do they call it? Cheesing. Do you cheese? No, I don't cheese. I don't smell my cat's butts. <laughs> Is that what, was that what it was? I think, the, I think cheesing... Has something to do with toxoplasmosis. Like, if you if you um, if you inhale the fumes from the cat waste too much, you go crazy. And that's but they were like getting high off of it or something. Yeah, it's a I don't know. This is a, we, this conversation just took a weird turn. You know, I've been doing that lately. I've been <laughs> I've been I think that's my I think my dad does that, and I'm getting that from him. Oh, anyway, thank oh, thank you guys for uh, participating in our Happy Father's Day Encore episode. Yes. Um, that was fun, and we're going to keep trying to do new and exciting streams. Uh, I, I actually like doing the live stream. The, the only thing I don't like is that we can't have the certain quality that we usually have, because when we do it down here, we'll do multiple takes, we'll rehearse a little bit, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Right, but it's still it's still fun, and I think I can just mix, the... you know? <laughs> I mean, unless I'm mistaken, the audience just likes hanging out with us. I mean, we're on, what is this, 80? This is episode 80. This is episode 80. So they've stuck around. I think they just enjoy, I think they just enjoy the company. Well, I'm going to do another one of those. Um... <laughs> Some of you guys are driving to work right now. <laughs> Some of you guys are sitting at home with the family, eating dinner. <laughs> that voice I can actually do That's pretty for good. a while. I think I'm going to do another one. Um, I can't do it this week. This week is crazy. Um, a lot of stuff going on for me. But um, I think I'm going to do another one like I did with the Amplify one, where I recorded You Can't Do That, top to bottom. Now, I was mortified doing that because there were there were mistakes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, 
there were some timing glitches on the bass, like there was some flat notes in the vocal, and I was mortified, like, oh my god, I just did that in front of all seven of these people, and <laughs> you know, or whatever. <clears throat> cemented on the internet forever. Right, but the thing that I'm learning is that people really didn't give a crap. They were just like, <laughs> no, we get it, you're doing this, and you're trying to do it fast, and... Because I, I think it would be way worse if I just sat there trying to fix things the whole time. Like, you know, when you watch me down here, trying to sit there trying to fix things. But um, as opposed to just doing it and whatever comes out, comes out. But it's kind of like a neat... Um, I thought it was neat because I was watching as well. And I kind of think it was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record all the parts for this song. I'm going to mix it. I'm going to play all the instruments. I'm going to sing all the vocals. And I'm going to do it in an hour. I don't want to spoil what the next one is yet, but it it's much more ambitious because, you know, I'm an idiot. Like, I was thinking of making it like a Beatles segment and only doing Beatles songs. Ah, which, where's the fun in that? Well, I love the Beatles, so that's <laughs> totally fun for me. And and the thing about the Beatles is I'm because when I was a teenager, I was like crazy about them. I already have like a ridiculous knowledge of Beatles songs. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's something... That's gonna be that you know. I I think I think I had to branch out to other, you know, other bands, and I, I have an idea, and it's another band, and it's for the next episode that the next time I do that, which might be at the end of the month or next month, depending on you know the touring schedule. Um, but I'm gonna use that as a segue. Actually, uh, we concluded our our uh, BB King's residency. Um, that sounds very fancy, doesn't it? <laughs> What happened with BOC is this year marked the 40th anniversary of Don't Fear the Reaper, uh, you know, being released. Um, and initially, it was just like, okay, we're going to do three shows at BB's and it's to commemorate Don't Fear the Reaper. So we did Don't Fear the Reaper and then we got a little pushback saying, you know, that wasn't a very special show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. You guys play that at every game. Exactly. But it's the 40th anniversary <laughs> of Don't Fear the Reaper, and we play Don't Fear the Reaper. But then we, you know, um, actually made the shows a little fancier, if you will. And the uh, we our last Q&A episode, I actually covered what I did for the second BB King show. We, we had three shows scheduled. Uh, the second one, we did the Agents of Fortune album front to back. Right. And that was a huge undertaking. But to be honest, you know, and... And I'll be I'll be honest. I was like, "Damn, I got to learn all this stuff," and it's really keyboard heavy. And for me, you know, people people watch this sh- or listen to the show, and they hear how quick we do things. You know, how like Amory or Vin or Andy or myself, how like we pick up things fast. And like when I have a guitar in my hands, that's how I feel. Like I'm pretty fast with that. But give me a keyboard, and everything slows way down, especially right. when I have to play keyboard. You know the the time the amount of time I have to spend woodshedding and practicing like triples because it's just not my primary instrument. It's not even my secondary instrument. You know, it's just like it's something I do and something I you know that I like doing, but it's it's more of a struggle than guitar. Guitar, bass, marimba, marimba, exactly. Uh, uh, what are, what are those things that gypsies play in their hands? Like ting 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 ting. ting. Finger symbols. Finger symbols. It's like, I think they're called calypse something or other. Oh, castanets? Yeah, castanets. No, castanets aren't cymbals, though. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to think of what other instruments are above keyboard for you. Yeah. But, um, so we did that. And actually, that was that ended up working out really well because 
we got to do that a bunch of times. Like we um, we did that in New York the first time. Then we did it in L.A. Uh, we we recorded that show for Directv, which um, I believe is going to be released within the next few months or so. Don't quote me. I don't know the facts. And we're actually going to Europe next month, and we're doing it in London and Dublin. That's cool. Yeah. <coughs> You're doing it in Dublin? In Dublin. We're doing it in Dublin. In Dublin. Man, this this microphone stand keeps falling, and I keep retreating into my double chin. <laughs> you know, if uh, our fans would go to riotcast.com slash bandgeek and click on the Amazon banner up top, uh, a small percentage of your purchase comes to the Van Geek podcast, and we might be able to buy a new microphone stand for Richie. I'll be, you know, I'll be honest. You know, all the uh, all the Amazon, you know, uh, benefits we get, I just put right back into the studio. Like I don't, you know. All right, yeah. We, I mean, we bought a new throne. We bought some new drum stuff. Well, since, we bought... since we started the podcast, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take you guys through it. We got a new drum set for Andy because that old drum set was broken. Oh well, broken-ish, but it was giving Andy a hard time. We got a new drum throne. We got what else did we get? Oh, we got an extra cymbal. We got a new keyboard stand. We got a couple new cameras. We got yeah, we got a new a couple new cameras. I did buy some more uh, mic stands, by the way. Uh, we got a whole new recording interface. You know, all oh, that, the, was it the Motu? The Motus I bought after we did start doing Band Geek. Huh. We I started this on a on a Digidesign, now Avid 003, and now we're doing on this. I bought some new chairs. Uh, right yeah. now we're on a private island that yes. we purchased. Yes, so, you know, it, it, <laughs> it all goes back into the show. We appreciate it. <laughs> oh, someone else, someone asked me something the other day, and this might sound like, um, this might sound bad, I don't know, but someone said, is there a way I can give you money? I'm like, excuse me? He's like, do you have like a way... If I want to like just tip you, you know, it's like the good job. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Interesting. You know, could you could you just like give like like a donation, right? As Nick DePaul says, a donation. A donation. Um, I thought it was a trash. So actually, I have that in place. It's the same link we we use when we do the live shows. But if you want to get to that without going to Twitch, I set up a redirect, which is richiecastellano.com/slash/tipjar, one word. So. I'm not look. I'm not begging right now, but if you'd like to support the show and you want to say I like what you're doing, here's a couple bucks. You can do that at richiecastellano.com/slash/tipjar one word. So that's the answer to that. But anyway, let me get back to my story. And if you if you tip large enough, maybe I'll give you a shout out in your favorite cartoon character's voice. There you go. <laughs> um, we should set tears. Oh, tears. Okay. <laughs> Actually, another thing I was thinking, this might be a better uh, conversation for off mic, but I was thinking of maybe the next time we, or in the future when we do a, a live stream, what we could do is do like a gig down here of songs we actually rehearse. Mm. And like, you know, you sing a few, I sing a few, Amory sings a few. Like we actually plan it instead of trying to play songs we don't know on Encore and maybe sell like advanced tickets online. Not tickets, but... Say like if we hit this goal, we could do the live show. I know, I know, you guys can't see me, but I just gave Richie a big sideways huh face. No, because like here's the thing: if we did a gig, we'd have to rehearse, right? You know what I mean? And I and it's it's not like a band geek where it's everybody learning these two songs, come in, run it a little bit. Like we couldn't do that the day of. Everybody would have to come here, 
or or at a go to a rehearsal studio, or well, probably here would be easier. Um, a couple of times before, not record anything and just rehearse. So I'd I'd want to be able to throw everybody a couple of bucks for that. Hmm. You know what I mean? So it's just I'm just thinking of ideas of of things to do. Well, you don't think that would be good? No, I think that would be entertaining. You just, you were just like, we're gonna sell tickets to the internet. Not tickets. Like um, uh, you, I said it the wrong way. <laughs> like no, like what you said. Make a goal. Make a funding goal. And when we reach the goal, we'll, we'll be able to do the gig. If we don't, no one spends anything and the gig doesn't happen. It's very simple. Maybe you know? we could... Or we can say, we could put like a list of songs up there and say like, oh, pick from this these songs, like vote. When you, when you f- help fund the thing, you could vote for what songs we do. Please don't vote for the entire Close to the Edge album. <laughs> I don't want to learn Supper's Ready by Genesis. I love Supper's Ready by Genesis, but I don't want to learn the whole thing. Let's let's do like you know twist and shout and <laughs> you just want to do really easy things. <laughs> so in my tier, when you get to my tier, uh, we get to do "Spirit of Radio" by Rush. You you could sing that, yeah. See, there are songs that you say you could sing that I know you can't sing. I can sing that. I've sang it at gigs. Have you listened back to it? Yes. And Tom Soy. <sighs> Okay, I think I have a better idea of what songs you could <laughs> sing than what songs you know you think you could sing. We're shaking a baby now. <laughs> Twist and shout. Oh, I got I want to air a grievance really quick. I got a really douchey comment on uh, on on YouTube regarding the problems with your people. Regarding the Bumblefoot uh, episode. Okay. Someone said, "Was it?" niceties that made you that made the girl sing the third verse on aces high wait what does that mean because ron sang the first two verses of aces high then amory sang the third one right and so he was like were you just being nice to the girl to let her (laughs) sing that lame (laughs) yeah she happened to just be passing by the studio and we were just like hey you want to sing something first of all hey toots first of all I know I'm incredibly biased when it comes to Anne-Marie, but I get it. I've heard, like, some chicks sing hard rock and metal, and it sucks. But I don't lump Anne-Marie into that category at all. I don't either. And I think it sounds awesome when she sings it. But like I said, I'm biased. And I'm sure the band geeks say, you know, okay, Richie, you're biased, and that's fine. But, like, first of all, that wasn't what happened. It wasn't like <laughs> wasn't like Ron was like, hey, lady. <laughs> Why don't you take that last one? And I'll I'll tell the story that I what what I angrily typed to this person. <laughs> oh no, you no know the other thing is every like YouTube comment I read is angry. Even this even if someone's like, nice job, I read, I read is like, nice job. <laughs> well that's the problem with the internet. Um so like there was one YouTube comment that I like, you know, unloaded on a guy and he was like, Whoa, I'm just <laughs> I, I like this video. I'm like, oh I, you know. I can't get inflection from. <laughs> First of all, why am I like? Why am I like fighting with people on the internet? Like, why am I doing that? This is why you and I get into a lot of arguments because we can't get inflection from text. Yeah. Because no. I'll write something like, "Hey, do you want to go to the movies on Saturday?" And you'd be like, "Oh, I can't go until five thirty. And you'd be like, "All right, well, maybe we'll go another time." And then you'll re- read it in my. That's how you talk all the time. <laughs> That's not how I talk. You, your voice has one mode. It's nebbish. <laughs> You know what? Every I everything plasmosis. You I'm do every everything you t- you text to me. I read in the voice of Woody Allen. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> okay. That's why everything you type to me, I just read with a dick in your mouth. <laughs> uh, what was I talking about before? You were talking oh, yeah. about the so, Asians of Fortune album. No, no. I'm talking. I want a tangent here. No, but anyway, I told the guy, and I'll tell you guys what I told him. I said, actually, the night before, Ron filmed a cameo scene for a horror movie and blew his voice out. And asked Amory to sing the third verse to relieve his voice a little bit. So, screw you, guy. <laughs> anyway. I just like thinking that he was just like, hey, toots. Hey, toots, why are you singing the third? <laughs> uh, anyway, back to the thing I wanted to talk about. The um, So, for instead of doing Agents of Fortune again for the third B.B. King show, we we've been... Tossing around the idea of doing a tribute to Alan Lanier, who was our late, you know, keyboardist, actually the original founding keyboardist and guitar player, member of Blue Oyster Cult. I I knew Al, Alan for a long time. Um, you know, when I first started working for the band in 2000, obviously he was there. Was he in Blue Oyster Cult before they were Blue Oyster Cult? Yes, I believe so. I'm thinking about it. Maybe... Was he in like Soft Fight Underbelly or that's what I could I Stock Forest Group or whatever? I think he was. Um, I'm sure I'll get tweets from people saying no. <laughs> um, but origin founding <clears throat> member of Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, and he was you know he was playing when I first started working for them in 2000, and also when I first started playing with them in 2004. I, I was on the road with Alan for two years, 2004 to 2006, is, which is when I took over, uh, when Alan retired and I did his part. And, you know, I you know I wasn't as close with Alan as I was with Eric or Donald, per se, but, you know, he was my friend and we were talking about doing a tribute show and we couldn't get it to work out. But finally we said, you know what, we have this third show at BB Kings, let's do it here. And you know, it, we didn't have a hell of a lot of time to get the show together. We had two days of rehearsal, and we did a tremendous amount of work in those two days. Um, I got sick in the middle of those rehearsals, and I'm still sick. I don't know if you could hear it in my voice. Um, no, you just always sound like you have a cock on your mouth. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> you know, I was hoping to not put the explicit w- warning on this episode, but I, there goes that. I put them on anyway, just because your voice is explicit. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> for those of you who were there or who looked at the internet, the cat's out of the bag. Uh, I'll tell you what what the set was, and I'll actually talk you through it. Um, we did. Ravens, which is an original song that Albert and I think Joe Bouchard wrote together, uh, and they performed it by themselves together, and it's a tribute song to Alan. It was a beautiful song. And then we did an unreleased Alan song called Dance the Night Away, and there was just like a piano vocal demo, but uh, Albert Bouchard actually worked up this whole band uh, arrangement and sent us a demo of it, and we learned his demo and played that. That's cool. Yeah, it was cool. And and um, and what we just to you know break the show up a little bit, we did that without um, Donald and Eric. So it was basically, you know, Joe, Albert, me, Jules, and Cassim on the stage playing that song, and it was pretty cool. And I mean, I liked it. I got a little uh, guitar break. I pretended to be David Gilmore because uh, <laughs> it was a cool like it was a cool sort of like slow song and like a bluesy sort of thing you know um and i got to 
Also, I played my Telecaster because Alan played a Telecaster. So right. I brought mine in and I, I played that for the show. And that's cool. It makes you change things up a little bit when you play on a different guitar. But so we did that. And then uh, Joe and Albert left the stage and the other guys came back up and we did a set of, you know, uh, Alan... Alan heavy tunes? Well, no, like Alan... Actually, they weren't that heavy. Um, they were... Because a lot of the stuff that Alan wrote was a little bit more on the mellow side. Huh. Um, well, I don't mean heavy as in mood. I mean like more like uh, deeper tunes. Al- Albert in more Albert heavy influence. No, Alan. No, or written. The, Alan co- co-wrote. Yeah, co-written or you know soul writer songs. They're, they're all Alan tunes. Uh, we did True Confessions, which is from Agents of Fortune. We've been doing that. Uh, we did Gil Blanco County, which is something we did for the acoustic shows, but we worked up an electric arrangement of it, which is a little different. Uh, then we did, I think we did a uh, Searching for Celine, which is a song that Eric sings. Uh, we did... That's about the Underworld movies. <laughs> yeah. And then we did, check this out. We brought up two girl singers. Uh, Anne-Marie sang with, with BOC, which was awesome. And the singer from Vin Innocente's band, you know, Vin Innocente, star of the Encore episodes. Oh. Um, this girl, uh, Nicole... Taubman, I think that's her name. Taubman, Tubman, Taubman, yeah. Um, and they sang background vocals because a few of Alan's songs have like chick vocals in them. Huh. So they came and and sang backgrounds for that. The band never looked better. <laughs> well, that was w- just because of niceties. They were able yeah. to sing those background vocals that's because right. of niceties. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that callback <laughs> because it's a little bit jerkish. So I like that callback. Anyway, <laughs> I uh, don't like you. <laughs> I'm going to look up her name right now because she was tagged in a bunch of Anne-Marie stuff. And then we did a song called Don't Turn Your Back, which is, I believe, from Fire of Unknown Origin, which is my favorite BOC album. And uh, then we did Lonely Teardrops, which is a cool, like, clav. Like, I have, like, a really cool clav part in that. You were right. It was Nicole Talbin. Talbin. And... <clears throat> then we closed the set with In Thee, which Alan wrote, and uh, we brought the I other like two song. guys back on stage, and we had like seven people on stage doing In Thee, which was really nice. Then we took a, a short break. We did like a normal set, but actually there were deep cuts in the normal set. We did Perfect Water. We did um, I like that song too. Lips in the Hills. Um, I think we did, did we do the Vigil? I think we did the Vigil. Yeah, so it wasn't all like, you know, Burning for you, Zilla, all this stuff. It was we did some other deep stuff, right? And then, all right. So here's what we did next. We did Hot Rails to Hell. Now I don't know if you're aware of this, Jarrett, but Hot Rails to Hell is a Joe Bouchard song, and that's the song he sang when he was in the band. He wrote that song. That it's his tune, right? Um, and when I, you know, when I started playing with the band. That was like a heavily requested song, and Eric said, you know, maybe you should learn how to sing Hot Rails to Hell, and we've been doing it, and that's become like the tune I sing with B.O.C. You guys usually did it as an I remember when I car- yes, started singing as it an as an encore. encore. So I started singing it, and then after the first verse, Joe ran out with his guitar, and he sang the rest of the song. Cool. It was really cool. Now, we're at rehearsal, and we're having this discussion, and now here, here's the thing. It would have been cool to do more stuff like that, but it was very difficult to time all this stuff in two days, right. you know? Um, but so we're 
rehearsing and Joe sort of as like a like a side note or like a passing thought said, "Hey, we should do hot rails and and I'll do it with you guys." And he already learned the version that we do, so that made things very easy. And he, and um he said, "Why don't you sing the first verse and then I'll come out and sing the rest of it." I said, "If we start doing hot rails and you're in the building and I sing your song, People will boo loudly and throw <laughs> beer bottles at me. And he was like, no, no, it'll be fine. And I, and I said, they're going to kill me. They're going to crucify me if, if I start singing this song and you're not on stage. But actually, he was right. It was a, it was a funny gag. It worked out pretty good. You know, <laughs> I think I saw a few faces of you know, when we started playing. It was like, what? I, just, I, I picture the Blues Brothers, and you guys are just behind Chicken Wire playing Rawhide, and they're just like, boo! No, no but everybody was looking at like, how dare he? And then he came, and then Joe came out and sang, and it was awesome. And and uh, we did like a cool guitar harmony thing at the end. I'm sure there's a video of it on, on the internet somewhere. And then for the very last song, uh, we did Cities on Flame with Albert singing, because that was the tune he sang right and um and he played he played alan's actual telly oh cool yeah so it was a cool show it just sucked being sick right um because you know it just whatever i'm not going to complain about it it's just you know playing hurt is not fun that's that's all there is to it doing anything sick is not fun especially when you're being sick like legitimately affects the the job that you're doing the thing that kills me about being sick is i can't tell if i'm singing in tune or not yeah I you know see that. i think at one point i looked over and i sang something and i couldn't tell if it was good or not and i think i saw a chasm gesture to andy like turn his mic off in my ears <laughs> i was like whoops they're I, bleeding i guess that's me um but the, the thing with uh with amory singing is like i never would have thought that was ever going to happen Right, because you know, I've never seen a, a woman on stage with BOC ever. I mean, I think I think Sandy sat in once on Reaper for something, but you know, I never thought that was going to happen, and I never, I certainly never lobbied for it. Right, you know what I mean? Um, but what we were talking about is Don was like, "Hey, get Anne Marie to uh, sample like uh, Lonely Teardrops, whatever it is." And do both parts, and we'll hit on the sampler. I'm like, how am I going to do that while I'm playing? Right. You know? um, and also, there just wasn't time to record it and throw it on my sampler. So I said, I said that's going to be really tough. If someone like, if your finger slips, it's going to sound out of time, you know. And we were thinking maybe Andy could do it, but I don't know. Have you been to a show at BB Kings? Um, not in a very long time, so I wouldn't remember the room really. It's very cramped, and usually Andy runs around like a maniac at BB Kings, and this time was no exception because of all the you know changes and the extra amps on stage and the people coming up and going down and having to plug in guitars. So it was very rough on Andy, and it would have been very tough for him to do that. So you know, Anne Marie had a gig that night actually, and I knew she wasn't coming to BB Kings. She had a gig in like Deep Jersey. So deep Jersey, yeah, like deep Jersey meaning far from Staten Island, because <laughs> there's Jersey when it's like, oh no, it's just an old bridge, and that's just a, that's about a twenty twenty five minute ride. Mm-hmm. Deep Jersey is like oh, we're gonna be on the Parkway for like over an hour. Yeah, <laughs> that's deep Jersey. When you're driving, you're like, this is still New Jersey. <laughs> when am I gonna be able to make a left turn again? And so you know, Eric said, ah, you know, it's too bad Amory's not gonna be there. And I'm like, do you want her to be there? And he said, yeah, maybe her and her sister can come. 
So I called Amory. I was like, you know, do you have a wedding that night or is it like a club gig? She's like, it's a club gig. I was like, can you show up a little late? And she said, sure. I was like, you should really come to BB's because it'll be really awesome. It'll be a fun experience, you know, and it'll be cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is this is how you get everybody to do things. This is when you were giving me my lightsaber. You were like, you should come uh, play Artemis with us because it's going to be fun and a good time. Get to the point, Castellano. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't. Wait, wait, what are you talking about? Anyway, so I, I told her what it was. I said, you should come. Cause, oh, cause it, it sounded like you weren't telling her that she was going to be singing oh, this no, no, song. Oh, no, no, no. I told her. I told her. Um, but the problem is um, my sister-in-law, Emily, couldn't get off of work. So actually, actually, we asked a bunch of people, and Nicole Taubman, Vinny's singer, was able to do it, and she was phenomenal. First of all, she looked great. She had like a tiny dress on, which was really great looking that's all well, well, that's what women should wear yeah. you know and fucking uh, wear tiny dresses for niceties but, and Amory wore uh, another like a black you know rockin' dress they look great she they knows how to dress great. for a gig yes she doesn't know how to dress for the podcast which is why she looks like a job all the time down here but if you give her actual money she'll show up looking really nice she doesn't know how to dress in life in yeah, everyday life just Thursdays, Fridays and Saturday nights <laughs> Yeah, sometimes Amory shops from the Amy Farrah Fowler collection. Just sometimes, <laughs> not always. <laughs> Women should never shop in places that end in basement or barn. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's basically it. I mean, the show I thought came out really well, and hopefully we get to do some of those songs some more because they were fun. Um, I really liked. I really like playing uh, "Lonely Teardrops" on uh, that clav. It's like a really sort of like Stevie Wonder. Like Led Zeppelin-ish, like, yeah. like a sort of, dare I say it, funk part. What? Yes. A white person playing funk? Yeah, and that's what it sounds like usually, but... <laughs> Shame. So, that's really it. I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about? I, no, I was going to say, though, that it's it's got to be fun. Like, people probably tell you, oh, you know, play this song from this album, play this song from this album, and you don't know BOC's entire catalog. And even though you guys, you know, tour year-round... You know, and occasionally you'll throw into this song, throw into that song. It's got to be nice to stretch your chops to tr- to learn like a lot of different stuff. Yeah, uh, I have the BOC box set, and I listen to it, and I, you know, I I have all the tunes, but you know, I we don't, I can't play all of them because I don't, I can't memorize all those songs by listening to them once. Um, <clears throat> it is nice. I just, it's just you know, sort of. I think they. I'm just guessing here. I think they sort of skewed their live show to give Alan like equal parts guitar, equal parts keyboard. You know what I mean? It just feels like all the new stuff we've been learning is very keyboard heavy. So for me, it's like it stinks because I can't bring my A game. Like I'm really trying. Like it's it just it's it's not that I'm playing the keyboard parts poorly. It's just that it's you know it just takes longer and it's. It's like you know everybody else is playing their main instrument on it except for me. Right. So it's it's sort of it's sort of I don't, I don't want to say it stinks. It's just sort of it's it's a, it's a little harder on me. That's all. Right. But it's, um, I mean, just in general though, it's like you, you, it's still kind of keeping you on your toes. You could be playing the same songs over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, no, I totally agree with that sentiment. That's I, I'd say that's accurate. And um, what was the other thing you said? I don't know, it's just that it was nice stretching your chops and, and you know, kind of, uh, you know, f- like, fun to play other stuff outside yeah. of the catalog. You it guys, is. You guys have been doing, a, I feel like, more specialty shows recently. 
Yeah, I mean, we've been doing the acoustic stuff, and then we did the. Um, well, that's. I mean, really, that's all. Our our manager Steve, he he sort of you know really gets the ball rolling on these things, and and it's it's good. It's it's good to change things up every once in a while. I mean, there are some songs, and I look. I'm I'm a songwriter. I haven't written the type of songs you know and had this type of success that Blue Oyster Cult has had, but I get it. Sometimes you record a song, and you're like. I don't really ever want to play this song live because this is not really a live song. And then, you know, a few people say, you have to play that song. And you're like, that's not really one of the tunes I want to play live. Right. You know? But, you, I mean, you got to think about it. Every every song that an artist writes is somebody's favorite song. Yeah, you know I, I guess mean? that's like, right. You might not think of it. Like, you... You might be making an album, and this is coming obviously from somebody who can't play an instrument, and you know has why never... can't you play an instrument yet? By the way, I was thinking this the other day. We were having a conversation about something. I was like, life would be so much easier if Jared played the bass. Like instead of screwing around like with whatever the hell you were doing all this time when we met, if you were taking like one bass lesson a week, you'd be like good enough to play on the show right now. There's like four strings on that instrument. That's it. There's a lot. You could take one off. I don't care if you don't even use the high one. <laughs> there was I don't a, care for the high one. I went to a gig the other night and one of the one of the guys was playing with an an eight string guitar, not a bass. Oh, guitar. Yeah. Wow. An eight string. But he was only using like the bottom three. I was like, what's the point of those five other strings? You know what? Most people who play those like those string those guitars with the heavier lower strings, that's all they stick to. Just because it's like that's the effect of the guitar. Well, well, I'll explain. When you when you have like a seven or eight string guitar, you want the you want that sound. Yeah. And you pretty much hang out there until you have to play a solo, and then you go immediately, immediately, immediately up on the high strings, <laughs> and then you ba- go back down to the low strings for rhythm. So that's the answer to that. Um, but what I was gonna say is like, so you record an album, you have twelve tracks, yeah. let's say, you know. Two of them might be like your favorite songs that you've written for the album. You know, uh, another six might be like, I really like these songs. And then, you know, one or two might be like, oh, well, you know, I like they fit with the album and they've, you know, and I like them and I do like the songs. But like you said, you don't, you're like, oh, all right, they're going to go on this album. This is where they belong and that's it. But somebody who buys that album might be like, I fucking love that song. Yeah. And so when they come see you play live, like, of course they want to hear their favorite song, which is why, like, when I first started seeing you guys tour, um, I'm sure it had been that way for a while, but like the, the set list barely changed. Like I would come see you, you know, when I was living in Chicago, you guys would play in Illinois or Milwaukee or something. Well, and then I'll, let me, I, can, I can answer that question. Um, you got to understand something. Those are not BOC shows, really. Because you came to see us at like festivals. Correct. Those are festivals or street fairs or whatever we're playing that we are playing at. Those are not people coming to see Blue Oyster Cult. Those are people going to see a show and Blue Oyster Cult is there or going to a fair and we're the entertainment. Right. When that's the case, we have to stick to like the well-known stuff that works for something like that. Like we we can't play a song like I Love the Night at a state fair. Right. Because it'll just right over people's heads and it'll, it, it doesn't work. If we're in a nice theater, when people are coming to see us, then we can whip something like that out because it, it's right. But we, like we don't, we're we're getting paid to entertain the people. We can't say here's some here's some like lesser known song that if unless you know our entire catalog, you won't give a crap about and you probably won't dig. Right. You know? I, didn't, I didn't think of that. 
That's true. So if your name, if you, if Blue Oyster Cult is not on the ticket, yeah, like if it was like I just paid, you know, seventy five dollars to sit in the front row at, you know, this uh, the Beacon, yeah. Um, but it's just like I'm in Milwaukee. I'm yeah. at the Rib Fest. Blue Oyster Cult's playing at eight, and Sticks is playing at ten. And, right, and and you know, Shabadoo is you know on the other stage on the other side of the 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 fairgrounds. And I think every band does that. I think every band has to consider the type of venue and type of audience they're playing for and adjust accordingly. I mean, that's just smart. I mean, look, I, I would love to do crazy stuff every gig, but I get it. You know what I mean? I totally get it. Right. And and another question people ask me, don't you get tired of this? Like, not really. You know what I mean? Like, I guess you can ask anybody at, at whatever their job is. Don't you get tired of that? Well, yeah, but, you know, that's what your job is. That's what you do. Right. You know? It's I I get it and actually I you, yeah you brought up a very good point I didn't think about that the first you know half a dozen times I saw you guys was at festivals and fairs I don't think I saw you play like at a theater theater you know yeah if we're playing at a club and it's just us it's different than playing at a casino where it's you know we get an hour and the the people who run the casino want us want the audience back on the the floor gambling after 60 minutes or else you're in trouble right you know so. well that's yeah and that's the thing too i didn't know like straight out i was you know i see one time and i was like you guys were on stage for like 35 minutes you know or then i'd come see you and i was like you guys were on stage for like almost two hours you know that's just, it goes with the same thing it goes where you're playing i guess um i'm gonna wrap it up but i i <laughs> i want to tell you a story that i was gonna tell you off mic mm-hmm. but i might as well tell you <laughs> here because why not um our friend and former band geek guest, Vicky Vett, came to our show in Florida. Oh, that's right. And it was awesome. <clears throat> I got to I got to have dinner with her and her husband. They're super nice. And she was like she was dressed in normal people attire. <laughs> like she looked like anybody else living in Florida. Like she blended in. And she was like, Okay, I'm gonna change once we're at the gig. And she changed. So she had Tan shorts, uh, white socks up to the knees, <laughs> loafers. Well, uh, whatever a more a attractive a... version of that is, that's what she had. <laughs> and then, like, she changed and she put on this, like, hot dress and she looked amazing. And the thing is, people, the crew of the, the venue we were at went nuts. They were like, oh, my God, Vicky Vet, Oh, my God, that's crazy. Hold on, my mom's calling me. <laughs> She knows we're talking about yeah. adult things. Ma, I got to call you back. Okay, okay? Yeah, I'm recording a podcast. Okay. Hold on, say hi to my podcast audience. Hi, guys. That's my mom. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'll call you back. Bye. Very professional operation. I <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> That's that phone sound. Yeah, but she... Um, but the crew guys were going nuts. Yeah, they were like, oh, my God. Vicky. Like, First of all, like, there's all these rock stars backstage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it was us. Also, we were playing with Casey and the Sunshine Band. Really? Who, <laughs> by the way, I was like, oh, great. Like, disco. Like, I'm not, not into it. Blown away. I was blown away by them. That's awesome. If you can go see Casey and the Sunshine Band, what they have like 14 people on stage. <laughs> That's awesome. They have dancers, background singers, a horn section, percussionist, drummer, guitar player, bass player, uh, him and, and a keyboard player. And they were they were tight and it was a great show. They do covers too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was it was totally cool. Um but yeah, all the local crew guys were like going nuts <laughs> over her. Hey, can we get pictures? And she was posing. I'm like, 
sorry to make you work while you're she's like no no no, it's cool so um yeah I, i actually got to hang out with her in person as like a buddy and it was totally hilarious and An fun. equal if you will i wouldn't say that um <laughs> i i'm still like a little terrified of her to be honest <laughs> why just because you know of who she is and like it's it's it's, it's nerve-wracking i'm you know also i'm not, I'm not the most comfortable person around women anyway anyway like to begin with so <laughs> the, but have someone like that it's like so I might have had something to drink that evening, and I might have become an ass at the end of the night. <laughs> no, did you kill our relationship with? No, Vicky no, Bash? no, no. I was just like I, I, I had nothing to say, so I just basically like I had like half of a drink, and then I was <laughs> a lot more easygoing. I don't condone drinking, but I was a wreck. She's our bridge. <laughs> our bridge to what? <laughs> to other adult film stars. <laughs> no, I but c- it was actually a really you know i i wish i had some like raunchy cool story to tell you but i don't it was a really lovely evening with somebody you know because she's an actual normal person and that's what she does for work yes (laughs) so sorry if that's not the type of story you wanted so we were hanging out backstage and a pizza guy shows up I don't know whose voice that is. I run out of stuff to talk about. I'm going to stop this now. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Band Geek. I hope you enjoyed the uh, retelling of the um, Alan tribute. I miss you, Alan. And, uh, you know, the tribute, we would have liked to have done it sooner. But, you know, we were able to do it in this. And it actually worked out really nicely where Joe and Albert could participate. That was really cool to get to, you know, work with them a little bit. And we're going to get to work with Albert again on the Agents of Fortune shows. And uh, that was really cool for me. And uh, I hope the people who were in attendance enjoyed it. And I hope those of you who got to see some of the clips online enjoyed it. Uh, It was a very cool experience. And um, that's it. And we'll see you next time. Uh, My co-host, Jared Pressman. Thanks for listening, you guys. I'm Richie Castellano. Thank you. Thank you.